Praise the Lord. I greet you all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I welcome you to the last half of the year 2023. Shall we pray? Father, we want to thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness. And we thank you, Father, for making grace available to us, for us to live confidently. And we thank you, Lord, for ministering to us that, yes, you want us to live confidently, even in the midst of our circumstances and all that is happening around us, because you are the source of our hope and you are the promiser of our provision protection and a preferred future. Lord, we come before your throne of grace this morning as you reinforce this in our lives. I just pray, Father, for your anointing and I pray, Lord, that your word would work transformation in our hearts, that your word would encourage us, your word would reassure us that, yes, we can live confidently under you. Thank you, eternal rock of ages. And to you be all the glory. In Jesus' name we are praying. Our theme for the month of July is living confidently. Living confidently. And I will be doing an overview this morning. And in the course of this month, we'll have teachings and sharing on that theme. I want us to quickly turn our Bibles. I'll be reading from three passages of Scripture this morning. I'll read Psalm 23, and then we'll quickly turn to Psalm 71, verses 5 and 6, and then Jeremiah 29, verses 11. Yeah, just verse 11. Psalm 23 is a very popular psalm. And I'm sure many of us can recite it by heart. But I just want us to take a closer look at it this morning. And I'm reading from the New International Version. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And then we quickly turn to Psalm 71 and, and I read from verses 5 and 6 and it says for you have been my hope sovereign Lord my confidence since my youth from birth, I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. Amen. And Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future. Praise the Lord. 
You know, some years back, in our church, our national headquarters church then in Yaba, I used to see one man. And every time I saw this man, he was ever cheerful and he will greet you in such a warm way. And you know, you'll be moving around and you know, and no dull moments with him. Looking happy. And I used to look at the man. Ah, and I used to wonder. And I used to say, ah, what was the source of this man's confidence and joy? And he was just, he was full of life. And for your information, he was not rich. But I didn't know how rich he was. I didn't know much, but from looking at him, you know. And, you know, then one day, I, I was at the Boucherie High Court, the Lagos State High Court. And we used to go because we would have cases and so on. So, and then I saw this man. That was the first time I was seeing him outside the church. And when I saw him outside the church too, he was the same way. You know, he was looking so happy, cheerful, smiling, greeting everybody, you know. And then I walked up to him, I tapped him. I never talked to him in church, but see him in court. So I tapped him. I said, what are you doing here? He said, oh, I walk here. I said, you walk here? He said, yes. I said, that's what? He said, it's a clerk here. You know, and he said it happily and proudly. And, you know, it just further reinforced my amazement. But I said, hmm, this must truly be a Christian. You know? And, I, you know, that guy has left an impression on me that I will not forget. That, you know, as a Christian, living confidently is not a function of how much money you have in your pocket. It's not a function of how rich you are. You know, it's not, it has nothing to do with your material possession. It all has to do with your relationship and your walk with the Lord. You know, being right with God. And the beauty of Christ will radiate in you. And I reckon that the Lord wants to get the attention of many of us as we go into this second half. And I believe that that's why the Lord has come up with this team, living confidently. The times may look challenging, but the reality is that as Christians, we are called to live confidently. And we can. And living confidently has nothing to do with the price of tomatoes. And for your information, it's not only Pasolo that got the shock. Yesterday, I had some exchanges between my, my, my wife and my, my, my support staff. And the guy went to buy some things for her. You know, and, and that's why this morning, we'll be looking at the promises of the Lord. No matter how expensive things are, how tough they are, the Lord is our provider. And the Lord will meet your needs. And that's why this month, I just want us to believe and trust the Lord as we focus on living confidently. Let's not be distracted by the things we see around the symptoms, the, the circumstances around us. Let's focus on the Lord. Because the devil is going to throw all kinds of distractions around. But we need to focus on God and trust the Lord that the Lord will help us to live what? Confidently.
And as I take us to Psalm 23, I'm sure many of you will be wondering. Psalm 23. And you know, we've talked about Psalm 23 before. We've talked about the imagery of that psalm that is around the shepherd and his flock, the sheep. And you know, Psalm 23 reminds you of the sheep. And I'm sure some of you will be wondering, what has sheep got to do with confidence? Because when you look, when you think of animals that exhibit confidence, sheep is not the first one that will come to your mind, right? Sheep is not the first one. Perhaps I should have gone to look for a story that talks about the lion. You know, the lion, in spite of his size, can attack, it, it would attempt to attack um, an elephant. But you see, I want to move us a bit away from the imagery of Psalm 23. And I want, us, I want to move us to the writer of Psalm 23. And I want to move us to the central focus of Psalm 23. And I want to move us to the promises of Psalm 23. And I want to be able to help us see how God, through the lessons in Psalm 23, can help us to live confidently. Psalm 23 is about God. It's about his promise of protection, provision, and the promise of a preferred future. And what I have done this morning is to try and use the word P to capture just the four things I would like to say. The first one is the psalmist in this Psalm 23 and Psalm 71, verses 5 and 6, and that is David. Then the second one is I'm going to look at Psalm 23, and look at the promise of provision, protection, and preferred future. And then we'll be done. Let's look at the psalmist in Psalm 23 and Psalm 71. David. David. David is an amazing man. And I've chosen to use David as an example of someone who lived confidently. But David also presents to us an amazing example because of his life. When you look at the life of David, among the saints you see in the Bible, recorded in the Bible, David has an experience of the most striking, varied, and instructive character. And anyone can relate to it. You see how David cuts across a wide spectrum from one end to the other. And whether you are a peasant, you can connect to David and there is a part of David's life that will be very relevant to you. Whether you are rich and affluent, there is a part of David's life. And David creates a convergence in all of this. And that's what makes David very attractive to me. So, and you look at David, you look at the trials and the temptations that you see in the history of his life. Perhaps unequal by any other biblical character. And in some sense, he is symbolic of our Lord Jesus Christ. You look at his life, you see a lot of contrasts. David knew the trials of all ranks, and conditions of man and men. And you look at David in his writings, 
you would see that David was very practical and down to earth. He was king and he knew that kings had trouble because David wore a crown. He was one of the greatest kings of Israel. David knew that peasants have their cares, their concerns because David at one time was a shepherd and he handled the shepherd's staff following his flock in the field. He knows that wanderers, those who wander around without home, suffer a lot of hardship because there was a time that David himself lived in caves in En Gedi. He lived in caves. He was a wanderer. He had that experience. He was a military captain. So he knew that dealing with, sometimes it could be difficult dealing with some members of his troop. He knew what betrayer was. He knew what it meant to have the loyalty of his troop. So David had a diverse experience. David was a man of the people, yet he also knew that sometimes friends can fail you. And when he had the experience with Ahitophel, who forsook him, he said, look, Ahitophel is his friend and counselor, that he shared bread with Ahitophel. Yet Ahitophel took sides with who? Absalom. And David felt very pained. So you can see that David has gone through all kinds of experiences. David had problems in his family. You know, he had problems in his family. David would experience two of his sons, Absalom and Adonijah, rise up against him and want to dethrone him. You can imagine that your own son will rise up against you and will not care if you are killed and was prepared to go after you. Now that was tough for a father. But David had gone through those pains. He had gone through the pain in his family to see huge division such that his son will abuse his daughter. Another son will go and kill that one. So David had gone through and has seen a lot. So no matter what your challenge is, you can find some form of expression in the life of David. And that's why David presents a great example for us. Yet David was a man who lived confidently and we're told that he was a man who was after God's own heart. David has seen the temptation of poverty and wealth. He had experienced honor and reproach. He's had his fair share of honor. You remember when he defeated Goliath, young boy, and how he was praised to the envy of the king. You remember how David was anointed king when there was a reigning king. Even Samuel himself was afraid that he was committing treason. Then I'm sure David's own will be double. Yet this man finished well. God loved him. He has suffered all kinds of reproaches. Like I said earlier, his son's rising against him. He committed adultery, big time adultery. And then he committed murder. I'm sure someone here, you're thinking that, no, 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 look, I'm not good enough for God. I don't think this living confidently is for me. Because, look, I'm too deep in my ways. Perhaps you have committed murder. David too did what? Committed murder. 
He had an embarrassing scene in his family and so on. But as David, and it's amazing to see that this same David, in spite of all of this, would see the many qualities and skills that he had. David, amongst his many skills, he was a shepherd, he was a musician, he was a poet, he was a writer, he was a warrior, he was a war general, he won so many battles, he was a leader, a great one at that, he was a king, he was also a prophet. David was a quintessential man. But you see, it's not these qualities and skills that make him the example for living confidently. It is a quality around his relationship and dealings with the Lord that ultimately made him the great man that he was and an example for us to learn from. It is the quality of his relationship with God. We're told in the Bible that he was a man after God's own heart. He was faithful to God. He loved God with all his heart. In spite of his weaknesses, he loved God. His life was centered on God. He put God first. He knew God and God's words. He desired God's words. He tells us that, look, his heart pants after God. That's David. He trusted God absolutely. He trusted God absolutely. Not his strength, not his skills, his prowess. No, he trusted God. He had a passion for spiritual things. He tried to please God despite his failures. He wrote 73 psalms of worship, just worshiping God. He was an amazing man. And he had a heart for people. And in Psalm 71, he tells us that God is the source of his confidence. That God is the source of his confidence. And that's why we need to take time and really, really meditate and look at the life of David. And I like the Bible. Because you see, the Bible does not hide things. You know, we as human beings, if we were to write and to present things, in most cases you discover that we we'll write only the good uh, side. We we'll look for all the good stories, the positive stories, and we we'll write. But you know, the beauty of the Bible is the Bible will do, will do what? Just give you everything. All sides. And that takes me back to Psalm 23. And I want to look at the promise. The promise. And that Psalm starts in verse 1. And verse 1 gives you the summary of everything. And it starts by saying, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not uh, want. I shall not be in lack. And I'm sure many of you are saying, how can you say I shall not be in lack when I'm not sure of where my meal to, uh, tomorrow will come from or even this afternoon? But we need to take the word of God because the word of God is saying that the Lord is your shepherd. If you are the child of God, 
God is saying he's your what? He's your shepherd. I shall not want. And you see, David understands who a shepherd is. And to use the word shepherd for God here, he understands it. Because when the shepherd is there, the shepherd will not allow his flock to go hungry. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, many of us may not be able to connect with this because, you know, we live in the cities. We are used to city lives. And perhaps this example may not come to, you know, hit us or come to life for us. But the reality is that the shepherd will go to whatever length to make sure that he provides for his flock and that he protects his flock and that his flock will flourish. And you know, you hear the story of Hesmen here, right? I'm not talking about the ones that are now into criminal activities. But the real Hesmen, you see those shepherds with them. They will trek hundreds of miles just to make sure that they find good pasture for their flock. They will do everything to take care of those flocks, including sacrificing their lives. So when verse 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not uh, want. And I think we need to remember that promise. And we need to hold on to it. And reaffirm it. Because it opens the door into our living confidently. But I just bring in a quick caveat because I'm going to talk about it later. Because for the Lord to be your shepherd, you must always be with the shepherd. For the shepherd to be able to care for you, you must always be with him, right? If you wander away from him, is he able to care for you? So we need to bear that in mind. So it starts by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. So it summarizes it. And once the Lord is your shepherd, he says, look, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. I lack nothing that I need. And he's in full control of all the affairs of my life. And then he goes on. And as we look at what are the components of this promise? In verse 2, we see provision there. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Pastures so that the flock can feed. Still water so that they can drink. You know, sheep are a bit clumsy, so they don't do too well in fast-moving waters. So the, the, the shepherd will take them to still waters. Sometimes they have to create a mini put stones so that they can dam and reduce the velocity of the water so that the sheep can drink peacefully. And that is what the Lord does for us. So that is the promise of provision. And then protection as we move to verses 3 and 4. He says, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's a promise of protection. No matter what you go through, the dangers you go through, the challenges you go through, is reminding us that the Lord is with us. But you see, the verse that really caught my attention was verse 6. 
Because we recite it every time we meet. You know, we end our prayers, we end our meetings by saying, surely your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And you know, we say so much that we no longer pay attention to it. So you know, it just comes, it's very mechanical. But I just want us to take time and really go back. You know, and he's saying that, look, God's goodness, his mercy, some versions will say, will pursue you all the days of your life. Not just today, not tomorrow. He says, all the days. There can be no greater guarantee. That guarantees a preferred future for us. Are you here and you are afraid of your future? You are wondering, what, what does the future hold for me? Are you a young man and you are wondering, what's happening to Nigeria? What are the leaders doing? Where am I headed? The Bible is guaranteeing you a preferred future. That is the promise. Don't look at things that are happening. Hold on to the word of God. As long as you are the child of God, the Lord is promising you a preferred uh, future. And he reinforces it in Jeremiah, where he's saying that he says, Look, I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans of what? Of good. And to give you a future. And that's God speaking. These are firm promises. So you have the promise of provision, of protection, and of preferred future. If you look at the hierarchy of man's needs, fully covered, that is the promise. But then that takes us to the promisor, what I call the promisor. And the promisor essentially is who is making the promise. Because you see, you know, it's not so much the promise, but who is uh, making it. You understand what I'm saying? Who is doing what? Making it. There are some people here, if they come to me, if uh, Pastor Lowo comes now and says, uh, Peter, um, tomorrow I'll credit your account with one billion naira. <laughs> Well, you see, many of you don't have faith. <laughs> I've not even finished my story. <laughs> you, see, you know, because you think you know, Pastor Lowe, you know, you, you see, you, you know, that's also part of the problem we have. You know, we walk by sight. <laughs> you know, I said, Pastor Lowe will give me one billion naira tomorrow, and you're all laughing. You know, but you see, there's nothing God cannot do. There's nothing God cannot do. But there are some names that if I say, okay, this person is going to give me one billion, he says, oh, Peter, I'll give you one billion tomorrow. Nobody will laugh here. Instead, some of you start saying, ah, this blessing that is coming to Pastor God, when will it be my turn? <laughs> Why? Because you see, you know that, you know the person promising. If Reverend Odega says, oh, uh, Peter, tomorrow I'll credit your account with 100 million. You see, all of you are quiet. <laughs> see. So, so it's not so much the promise, but what? Who is making the, the promise? Who is making the promise? Who is the promisor? In law, we pay a lot of attention to the promisor. So who is the promisor? And the promisor here is who? 
is God. So don't look at, don't look so much at the greatness of the promise, but look at the author of the promise. Who is making this promise? And as you look at, as you think about who is making the promise, you remember that God cannot lie. Hello? That God cannot do what? God cannot lie. God cannot lie. And then you, you also remember that God is omnipotent. God is omnipotent. He's supreme. He created the, 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 the entire universe. He owns everything. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He is God Almighty. He's the one talking. He's the one making promise to you. What is the challenge that you face? What is the problem that you have? And when you look at how mighty God is, is there any problem you have that you think God cannot solve? Is there any problem? So, it cannot be with God. It is with who? You. You need to understand that. Are you following me? Because God is all-powerful. It cannot be that, you know, and that's why when some people say, ah, God, God has failed me. And I don't know, God, are you there? You know, you, we, so, sometimes I just wonder. It's because you do not know. You do not know. I'm sure if, um, let's say, Bratunji Lawal has a young son in school, and then you hear that the boy's school fees is 10,000 naira, and then the boy comes around and says, well, I can't pay my school fees, so I don't know. You know, you look at the boy, what would you think the problem is? Eh? Would you ever think that he's Dikin Lawal? Because you know Dikin Lawal. He will look at the boy and say, you this boy, are you sure? <laughs> is it that they gave you this money before you squandered it? Or you are misbehaving? Or you know, something is wrong with you. You will focus on who? The boy. So we need to begin to get things in the right context. Because when we have a situation, it's so easy for us as human beings, we are looking for who to blame. When you ask the boy, the boy will not see what he has done. No. You say, my daddy refused to pay my sufis. And you, if you, if you don't know the Kilawa, you'll be wondering, refuse, eh, how can it, you know, you say all sorts of things. But if you know the Kilawal, you say, ah, how much is he? He's 10,000 naira. Something is wrong with you. So, most of the times we need to look where? Inward. Because God has no problems. He has no problems. He has no limitations. He has no limitations. But you know, our natural tendency is to look for who to blame. If there is a problem, you are looking for who to tie the problem on. The last person you want is to blame yourself. It's only when you can no longer find anybody. The Lord will help us. So God is omnipotent. And then, as you think of the person who has made this promise, you remember that God is unchanging. God does not change. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He does not change. He does not change. So it then means that whatever promise he has made must be fulfilled as long as it depends on him. Amen? Whatever promise. And why does he make the promise? Why does he make the promise? 
The promises are given for God's own glory. For his own glory. For his own glory. And because it is for his own glory, we must realize that, look, his glory is safe. It's safe. You know, sometimes when, other, when people want to give you things, you are wondering, why is he giving me? Is it that he wants something, you know, or he wants to use through these gifts to control me? Or, you know, you start wondering. But God's glory is what? It's safe. It's safe. It's safe. God will never stain his glory. He will not stain his glory. His intention is to fulfill his word. It's to fulfill his word. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, there's nothing he will not give. He's gracious enough to give all things. And when we look back, when you look back, you look at the past, you recall battles in the past that the Lord had helped you through, won for you, gave you strength. And through those victories, you were strengthened. When you look back, you remember that God never fails. Is there once that you can point at and say this is one occasion that God failed? Think. Think. Think about your life. Look around you. One time that God failed. Look at all the things that are under God's control. They never fail. And there are many. Look at, even if you look around you, look at the clouds. Do they ever fall down? Look at the skies. They are held up there. Look at the whole universe. Look at the ground. The thing will not take you in. God is amazing. You sleep, there is day, there is night. Do you know how they all function? God never was, never fails. So we view each promise in connection with the promise giver. And as we do that, we can say with assurance, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And quickly, I'll run through a few prerequisites. Not a few, but key ones. For this, for you to be able to live confidently, relying on God and his promises, you must be born again. You must be born again. You know, when, when, when in verse 1 of Psalm 23, the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It means that you must be part of the flock of the shepherd. Can a strange sheep claim the protection of the shepherd? Hello? A sheep that is not within the pen of the shepherd, can he claim the provision of that shepherd? No. No. So you must be born again. You must be born again. You must give your life to Christ and ask Christ to come into your life and become the Lord and master of your life so that you can come under the protective cover of the shepherd. Then you can confidently say that indeed the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. And then you need to build a relationship with God. You need to remain with God. You need to remain with the shepherd. You don't start wandering away. You know, you don't start wandering away. You don't come in today and then tomorrow, you say, you go. No. That was full commitment. Full commitment. You don't wander away. You know, because some people, some people can't just make up their minds. Today they want to be Christian, tomorrow they like, you know, some people will say, 
you know, they've decided to become Christian, then somebody does something to them. You say, Jesus, excuse me. Make I, make I teach this person a lesson. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Go take the whole world, but give me Jesus. Go take the whole world, but give me Jesus. Go take the whole world, but give me Jesus. I'm satisfied. So no wondering, no wondering. You know what the shepherds used to do? When they have a sheep that keeps wandering, every time the sheep will wander away from the flock, then they have to go and look for the sheep. It gets to a time that the shepherd now needs to do something. Because when you wander away, you, 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 you face a lot of risk. You go outside the cover of the shepherd. Predators, you, you, you are at the risk of being attacked by predators. Anything can happen to you when you go outside the flock. You wander away. And that's why we need to be careful. I know what the shepherds need to do because they know that, look, the sheep will be exposed to so much danger because of wandering. So what they do is the shepherd will bring the sheep and break the leg of the sheep. When they break the leg, then he will now tie it and prepare the broken leg for healing. I can hear some of you say, but that's wicked. Just wait. Don't be hasty in judgment. The shepherd and the sheep, they bond. They become closer. They build a closer relationship. The sheep will become closer to the shepherd. And then when the leg heals and he drops the sheep, the sheep becomes so used to the shepherd that the sheep does not go around again. But my prayer for us is, let's not wait until we have adverse situation in our lives to bring us to God. Many of us, but the truth is, many of us, is adversity that brings us to God. Let us not wander away. Because when you wander away from God, you expose yourself to danger. Things can happen to you. So we need to be watchful. We need to bond, build a close relationship. We need to bond with God. We want to live confidently. We need to bond with God. Knowledge of God is very important and helpful. And knowledge of his word. That's why David could declare, he would say, look, I know this God. Through his ups, and downs through his valley and mountaintop experiences he could say I know this God we need to love and trust God we need to love and trust God David showed remarkable trust in God and, I mean and he have never, you see can you imagine that level of confidence when David as small as he was, this Goliath has been taunting the entire army of Israel for days. Goliath was huge. Even Saul, with all his height 
and might was sober. He couldn't go and confront Goliath. And then Choncholo David, if I initially, when his eldest, eldest brother saw him, he said, Kai, what, what are you looking for here? Apparently his father had sent him to take supplies to them and then just to be sure that they were okay. But David was nosing around. So what are the issues in the battle? And then he now saw this guy taunting the army of the Lord. Small boy now went and said, look, he will confront this man. You. And he says, look, I come against you in the name of the Lord. That's his confidence. Not because he had killed a lion or a bear before. But he goes against Goliath in the name of who? God. And God honored his word. We, we, we serve an almighty God. Forget the situation in Nigeria, whether three tomatoes are going for 1,000 naira. Or dollar is exchanging so it just hold on to the word of God. Or you think that the Scoofy's bill is before you. Take it to the Lord. He is a promise keeper. He is a promisor. And he says, I am your shepherd. And because he's your shepherd, you shall not um, want. And he does not fail. He does not change his mind. Just check yourself. David trusted the Lord. David trusted the Lord. He loved God. He trusted. Look at when the Amalekites, those gang raiders, went and raided Ziklag. And, you know, took away all his people, including his two wives. Can you imagine you attack someone so much so that even the wives too you carry? I mean, you can imagine the pain and humiliation for David. He took away his wife, including the wife's one, Abigail, that he took from... Uh, <laughs> he took them. I'm just imagining how David... David just came. And you know, the Bible tells us that, look, he drew strength from the Lord. Where do you draw strength from? When you have a situation that confronts you or challenges you, where do you draw your strength from? You know, David in the midst of that humiliation, that defeat, and then his people were trying to rise up against him. The Bible tells us that, look, David drew strength from the Lord. That's where David will always go to. You know, David, you know, God was, you know, he drew strength from there. Where do you draw your strength from? When you have situation, you start thinking of human beings. So by the time you go to man A, you say, ah, sorry, oh, I don't get, ah. Then you go to man B. Instead of you to first of all go to God. And then God will order your steps. God can even cause direct delivery to your doorstep. Amen? I was reading the story of um, Uncle Mike who had to pay for his uh, wife's milk. And when the wife heard, the wife said, no, give the money to the man. He said, ah, eh. They gave the money to the man. They couldn't buy milk. They were looking up to God. He said, not too long. Some students from the University of Ibadan also came, and they brought 12 tins of milk to him. He said, ah, God, thank you. You've done it, but I have five more dozens waiting. He said, not too long again, some other group of people came to visit them, and they brought exactly five dozens of milk. He's the same God. He has not changed. Because he doesn't change. The arm of flesh will fail, but our God never fails. Living right with God and loving him with all our heart places us on the path to living confidently. It is both achievable and it is the ultimate for us as Christians and as children of God. Let us rise. Let's be born again. Otherwise, you can't live confidently. If you are here in the auditorium or in the penal hall, or you are connected to us online, 
and you have never given your life to Christ, this is your chance. You have a unique opportunity today to give your life to Jesus and ask Jesus to come into your life. Do you want to live confidently in times like this? The very first step is to give your life to Christ. If you are here and you have never given your life to Christ, this is your chance. Just signify by raising up your hands. Just raise it. You are before God. All eyes closed. God bless you. God bless you. Just raise up your hands. It's to God. And I'm going to get our ministers. They're all around. They will take you and pray quietly with you. Just raise your hand. Raise it before God. Don't put it back. Just raise your hand. They will pray with you. And ask the Lord to come into your life. Yes, you are standing before God. It's before God. This is your chance. You want to live confidently. You need God. You need God. You need to give your life to Christ. And if you are connected to us online, just stretch your hand towards your device and begin to ask that the Lord should forgive you your sins, your trespasses. Confess and repent of your sins and ask that the Lord Jesus comes into your heart. He says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If any man hears me and opens the door, I will come in and I will dine with him. The Lord Jesus is waiting. He desires that you live confidently. And he wants to make that happen. That first step is you must give your life to Christ. Is there anyone who wants to give you another opportunity? Just signify by raising up your hands. So we can pray with you quietly. And ask the Lord Jesus to come into your life. The rest of us, let us pray. Let us pray. Ask that the Lord will help you to live confidently. You know what it takes to live. You know what it takes to live. You know the areas where you have issues. This is the time to talk to God and ask the Lord to help you. He is here. Jesus is here right now. Jesus is here right now. Jesus is here right now. He is here to meet your needs and set the captives free. Oh, Jesus is here. Is here right now. Jesus is here. Jesus is here right now. Oh, he's here to meet your needs and to set the captives free. Oh, Jesus is here right now. Father, we come before your throne of grace. And Lord, you know how much we desire to live confidently, trusting and relying on you. You have come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. And Lord, we come before your throne of grace this morning, this first Sunday in the month of July. And Father, we pray that, Lord, you would help us to live confidently. Help us, Lord, to put our faith in you, to love you with all our hearts. Help us, Lord, to trust you under all circumstances and to trust you wholeheartedly. Help us, Lord, to hold on to you and you alone, Christ alone. And not Christ plus any other thing, but Christ alone. Help us, eternal rock of ages. Lord, just like you helped David in his, in spite of all his weaknesses, 
Lord, we pray that, Father, you would help us. Help us, Lord. Help us, eternal rock of ages. Keep us always within the pen. Let us remain part of your flock so that we too can confidently say that indeed the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. Thank you, Father. And to you be all the glory. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Amen.